You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. I want to speak a little bit this morning as we wrap up our prayer sermon series on holiness. Holiness is not a topic we address a lot in the modern church. And I suspect that if I were to ask any one of you for like a dictionary definition like I might do to our confirmation students for the word holiness, hint, hint, confirmation students, um, that you might have a little trouble generating a full and complete answer. And you would not be alone. Uh, It's a notoriously difficult thing to define theologically in some ways. Um, One of the ways, the most common way we teach it to kids especially is it means to be set apart. What is holy is that which is set apart. But it kind of breaks down a little bit when it comes to God, that, that way of describing it. And here's why. At home, we have some lovely, nearly unbreakable Corel dishes. <laughs> Those are just plates and we use them day to day. Now, we have a wonderful, beautiful silver patent up here. There's a fancy word for a plate on our communion table. And that's been set apart. That's a holy plate. We only use it for this one holy meal that we gather around as a community. But if I try to apply that definition of holiness to God, it doesn't work because God is not like anything else that we set Him apart from. There is nothing like God. Sometimes when I'm talking with either um, little kids who are very concrete in their way of thinking or my skeptical friends and we go at it back and forth a little bit, um, they'll say something like, well, if God created everything, what created God? Gotcha. Not really. That's actually one of the definitions of God, that He's not created. (laughs) He is the uncreated one who created everything else. This is why when God reveals his name in scripture the first time, he reveals it as I am. Or depending on if you translate the the Hebrew that way, I am what I am. He is being itself. He's not a being like you and I. So it's difficult to pin down what the holiness of God means. Properly saying, what we could say is that holiness is the one thing that God is and nothing else truly is. And so it gets a little bit difficult when we hear from the scriptures, be holy, like I'm holy. Huh? See, if we had the capacity to become holy by our own efforts, we wouldn't need a Savior. Since God sent a Savior, I'm pretty sure we can't become holy by our own efforts. Now, some people have tried really hard to come up with a plan for becoming holy, especially after your conversion. So, now we're going to have, instead of 12 steps to sobriety, you might have 5 steps to holiness, or 12 steps to holiness, or 635 steps to holiness, whatever it is. But, but the only one who can make us holy is God Himself. 
See, if God would command us to be holy as He is holy, we'd be, we'd be kind of like the king of Israel in our first reading today, who thinks the king of Syria is trying to pick a fight with him. He's telling me to do something impossible. Heal this guy with leprosy. And it can sound like that when God says, be holy as I am holy. We'd be in a real pickle if that was the end of the story. But it's not. But it's not. God not only promises to save us from our sins, He promises to be with us to the end of the age. He gives us His Holy Spirit that we might, in the words of the book of Hebrews today, share in His holiness. It is when we pray is God's chief instrument for doing this because when we pray, we begin... God, be, I should say, we, not we do it, God begins to align our soul with His Spirit. And so we're starting to participate in the holiness of God instead of trying to muster it up on our own failing efforts. Now, when God does this, it's rooted in faith, like all things are. And by faith, I don't mean belief. I mean trust. I mean trust. True saving faith is trust in God. And when we trust someone, something happens when we interact with them. In your lived experience with somebody you trust, trust tends to look like obedience. If you're in military training and your DI says to you, Get down! You get down. Because you trust that they want to get you out of combat alive. When you trust your spouse and they come to you and say, I need to talk to you about something because I think you're off the rails on this one. It's a difficult conversation, but you listen because you trust that they have your best interests at heart. That kind of trust where we trust God has our best interests as hearts, sometimes He's going to ask us to do things that seem crazy. But when we do them, we begin to find out that He had a reason all along which we couldn't perceive from where we were. Naaman discovers that in our first reading today. Why can't I just wash in my own river? Why did I get my entourage together and bring all this stuff all this way to Israel? Don't we have better rivers? I mean, it's kind of egotistical, right? we got better rivers over in Syria. And his servants have to sit him down and say, it was pretty simple what he asked you to do. Do you want to try that first? And in doing it, he was cured. I find great, great comfort in the fact that the Bible never tells me to feel thankful. You can't find one verse where it says, feel thankful. It does tell me to give thanks. And I can give thanks whether I'm feeling thankful or not. And here's the reality. When I'm not feeling thankful, but I start to give thanks, I start to list off all the good things in my life that for some reason I was overlooking at that moment. <laughs> And I find that my gratitude begins to swell, and so my feelings begin to follow my obedience. This is how the Lord grows our holiness to let us share in His. Because when we are praying 
Even when the words are dry as dust in our mouths or we're bored and we've committed ourselves to that discipline of prayer as the book of Hebrews is talking about the spiritual disciplines and what God's preparing us for, we start to find that little by little, almost without us noticing it, our actions become more godly and our thoughts become more godly and our feelings become more godly. More and more like Jesus, who is the image of God for us. Take a look at Jesus in that picture on your way out of church today. Him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the reading we just heard from the Gospel, where He says, In the end, not my will, but yours be done, Father. That, that is what the path, that's the summit of the path of holiness. But in getting there, God doesn't abandon us to get there on our own steam. And the best analogy I have for that, from my own experiences with my children, um, y'all have seen my son, right? We did, our, we did our annual physicals together uh, two weeks ago, and he's now officially got a half inch on me and 30 pounds. <laughs> At 14. <laughs> well, since they were quite little, we've been teaching our kids to make pancakes. It's our Monday night ritual is chocolate chip pancakes and bacon. That's dinner every Monday night. And um, when Ian was little, when I first started teaching him how to make pancakes, I could pick him up like this and put him on the counter next to me. <laughs> and I first started doing this when he was about four. And uh, he'd had the chocolate chip pancakes a lot. He loved them. So he trusted me to be able to make the chocolate chip pancakes. But I wanted him not only to learn how to make them, but I wanted him to have the dignity of helping me make them. And so I sat him up there on the counter and I kind of propped my hip into him so he couldn't scooch his way off and fall off the edge. And we started measuring. One and a quarter cups of flour. Okay. Now, I will say this. I did not let a four-year-old take a scoop of flour and fling it. <laughs> like Julia Child in our kitchen when we were done. No, I, I, took, I gave him the cup, the measuring cup, and I put my hand around his. And we scooped it together. And then we put it in the bowl. And we got the quarter cup and we scooped it together. How much did we get? Two tablespoons of sugar. Okay. And we did the same thing. And each time I held my hand over his and guided him in the action until we had our batch of pancakes. And, and we, we used to make little Mickey ears, you know, three dollops and this kind of thing. And little by little, he was able to do it on his own. Now, we never can pray truly on our own. But God is always has His hand over ours, guiding us and teaching us and turning us back toward Him, our stubborn hearts. And when we do this, especially when we do it out of obedience rather than out of an effusive feeling, He can grow us in amazing ways. He's disciplining us to become sons. Ladies, that language is inheritance language. It doesn't mean we are, we're all men. It means that in the first century only men could inherit. So the son language means we're being trained to be inheritors of the kingdom of God. And through our prayers, through our discipline and our obedience in prayer, God is helping us to know how to function as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. 
God doesn't need our help to make us holy any more than I needed my son's help to make pancakes. He's declared us holy through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. But he can help us learn how to live like what we've been claimed to be. Children, sons, heirs of the kingdom. And his chief method of doing this is prayer. Will you join me at this time in prayer? Gracious Heavenly God, sometimes our prayers do taste like dust in our mouths. Sometimes we're bored. Sometimes we're excited and emotional. And Lord, in all these times, it is your help we need to truly pray. Bless us even when we're unwilling to be as obedient as Naaman was. Bless us through our prayers to become more and more like your son when he was facing that cross to say, not my will, but yours. Especially because we know that the resurrection follows those moments of difficulty and sadness. And Lord, teach us through all these things to truly live like your heirs, inheritors of the kingdom of heaven, and emissaries of your grace. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life.